Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Mummy Movie Podcast, where today we are going to be examining the 1983 film Scarab. In terms of the format... We shall start with a little background information on the film, then a section on the historical accuracy, and finally, I shall review the film. Right. You are a mad scientist, attempting to raise an ancient Egyptian deity. You chant magic words as the god symbol lies on the table before you. Just as you are about to give up, the symbol on the table goes up in flames. And from the smoke, the god Capri appears in the form of a giant scarab. This was the first film that Stephen Charles Jaffe ever directed, a man who would later go on to have great success as a producer and assistant director, working on films like Star Trek IV, The Undiscovered Country, Ghost from 1990, and Strange Days from 1995. Scarab is a joint American and Spanish production. However, in America, it was never released in theatres, and was only released in theatres in Spain in June 1984, many months after its American release. In terms of the cast, Cristina Sanchez Pascual, known for films such as Dark Habits and Aftershock, plays Eleanor. Robert Ginty, who is known for films such as Bounty Hunter from 1989 and The Exterminator from 1980, plays our main character, Murphy. And finally, Rip Torn, who later appeared in Men in Black and the TV show 30 Rock, plays our main antagonist, Capria, a mad scientist who is possessed by the ancient Egyptian deity himself. 
Okay, we have now arrived at the historical accuracy section of this episode. So here I'm just going to go over what the film does well and poorly. At the beginning of the film, we get an opening statement that reads, Long, long ago, when there was neither earth nor sky, nothing but a dark, watery mass, there lived a spirit possessing magical powers. One day, the spirit took counsel with its heart, and was moved to speak its own name. Brought into being, a grand majestic figure, the god Capri, whose symbol was a scarab. Although the wording here is a little altered, there are some elements that are similar to many ancient Egyptian creation myths here. Although Capri never had a cult centre, he was strongly associated with Ra, the sun god, who had his cult centre at Heliopolis, which today is near Cairo. In fact, at Heliopolis, the newly rising sun was often called Capri and was depicted as him. However, typically, the creation myth here was more focused on Atom, a creator god who was also strongly associated with Ra. And so, it is likely that this statement by the film more loosely took inspiration from ancient Egyptian creation myths rather than outright copying them. Commonly in such myths, at the beginning, there is only water, which is known as the water of chaos. Then a mound known as a benben rises from the water. In terms of Capri creating himself, there is indeed some basis for this. Capri was associated with Ra, the sun god, and with scarab beetles, which are commonly found in Egypt. Every day, Ra would travel across the sky, growing older as he did, and then he would die and sink into the ground in the west. He would then travel through the underworld and get reborn in the east every morning in an eternal cycle. The Egyptians likened the sun to a ball of dung that a dung beetle would push along the ground, and it was believed that each morning Capri would roll the sun out of the underworld and into the sky, much like that very dung beetle rolls its ball of dung along the ground. The Egyptians also noticed that very often beetles would emerge newly born from the ball of dung, as dung beetles tend to keep their spawn in them. However, to the Egyptians, this made it look like they were simply just coming into being of their own accord. And so, in many myths, it was believed that Capri was self-created, and in fact, even his name means he who comes into being. In terms of him speaking his own name to come into being, once again, although as far as I am aware, there is no inscription or text stating that Capri did this, names were considered of great importance to the ancient Egyptians. A person's name and their very essence were believed to be inseparable. And in fact, in that creation myth from Heliopolis mentioned earlier, Atom actually brought himself into being by speaking his own name in some versions. In fact, names were actually so important that if you were a foreigner coming to live in Egypt, taking an Egyptian name was a frequent way of integrating into society. On top of this, when people had broken the law or were generally just hated in ancient Egypt, very often their name was mutilated or removed from inscriptions. This was done to rob them of eternal life, both in this life and the next. So essentially, 
If their name was erased from inscriptions, it meant they could not survive in the afterlife. And it also meant that their memory would fade into nothingness in this life as they would be forgotten with the generations. In fact, one ancient Egyptian proverb reads, a man lives when his name is mentioned. Moving forward a little bit in the film, at one point, Murphy goes to a library to look up scarabs. In the book he finds, it claims that scarabs were symbols of good luck in ancient Egypt. I feel that this is a little vague, and it would be more accurate to say they were symbols of new life and regeneration. In terms of amulets, for the dead, heart scarabs were, unsurprisingly, placed above the heart, inside of the wrappings of the mummy. These scarabs typically had chapter 30b from the Book of the Dead inscribed on them from the New Kingdom onwards, and were essentially used to stop the deceased's heart from betraying them during the weighing of the heart ceremony. During this ceremony, the deceased's heart was weighed against the feather of Ma'at, so essentially the feather of truth. If the heart was as light as the feather, it meant that they were without sin and they were allowed to enter the field of reeds, which can sort of be likened to heaven in a modern context. If, however, the heart was heavier than the feather, then the heart would be torn apart by Amit the Devourer, a terrible beast who is part lion, part hippo and part crocodile. Depending on the time period, the deceased would then either cease to exist or become one of the moot and die a second death. During the ceremony, the deceased would also have to give negative confessions to the watching gods. They were things like, I did not steal, I did not kill, that kind of thing, and it was largely here that the heart scarab became useful, as chapter 30b of the Book of the Dead ensured that the heart of the deceased did not speak out against them. So for instance, if the deceased had killed someone, but was claiming they hadn't, then the heart scarab would tell the heart to remain quiet and not speak out. In terms of the cult of Capri in the film, first things first, Capri never had a cult in ancient Egypt. And secondly, it does not represent Egyptian cults that much and seems to be more stereotypically tribal in appearance. In a way, it almost gave me Alistair Crawley vibes and I do wonder if the film took some inspiration from him. So, for those who are unaware of Alistair Crawley, he started the occultist spiritual movement known as Thelema. This movement took some inspiration, albeit very loosely, from ancient Egyptian religion. However, essentially, the idea of the movement is that people should do what they want. Alistair Crawley believed that everyone has the right to live by their own law live in the way they want to, work, play and rest as they will, die when and how they will, eat and drink what they will, live where they will, move about the earth as they will, think, speak, write, draw, paint, carve, etch, mould, build and dress as they will, love when and with whom they will, and kill those who thwart these rights. Oof, and breathe. As you can imagine, Alistair Crawley was an incredibly controversial man, but he was interesting and I would recommend looking him up as this small snippet has only scratched the surface. Going back to the film, it probably is worth saying that the main bad guy and the cult leader, Capria, 
does wear some Egyptian regalia. For a start, he wears a striped Nemes headrest, much like can be seen on the golden face mask of Tutankhamun. Such headrests were typically worn by the pharaoh. He also occasionally wears a false beard in the film, which once again was a sign of kingship. Finally, towards the end of the film, Murphy is placed in what is supposed to be an ancient Egyptian coffin. However, the coffin looks incredibly funky and has a little slit for Murphy to look out of. This was not a thing in ancient Egypt. Instead, coffins typically had eyes drawn on them, often lining up with the actual deceased's eyes inside the coffin, and it was believed that these allowed the deceased to look out into the tomb, granting for them to still have a link with this life. Overall for this film, the accuracy when it comes to Egypt is mostly pretty bad. The way the cult is represented in the film is not accurate for ancient Egypt and seems to be almost more tribe-like, and it claims that scarabs were about good luck when they were more about regeneration. However, the opening lines from the film do seem like an adaption of an ancient Egyptian creation myth, albeit one that has mostly been altered, and at least Capri is indeed an ancient Egyptian god commonly depicted as a scarab. Now it is time for the review. Here I'm going to talk about what I liked and disliked in the film, and then just rate it out of 10. To start with, the opening of the film was pretty funny, although I suspect it was not supposed to be. Basically, we see our main villain trying to raise Capri, and when Capri emerges, it is quite clearly just a man wearing a beetle costume. I mean, they can chuck as much smoke into the scene as they want to try and hide it, but it's pretty obvious. Although this is very silly, it did at least make me smile, and so I'm going to chalk this up as a positive overall. Further, during the early and middle parts of the film, the viewer is presented with a mystery, as very influential people keep going insane and often either killing themselves or other people. Each one of these seems to have a small scarab placed on their person. Murphy then sees a nun take one of these scarabs and he follows her, trying to find out why. This whole story did keep me quite invested and curious, as I wanted to know what was going on. It is also not entirely clear if the nun is good or bad, until much later in the film, and this is quite intriguing. Although, I will say that Murphy may have been a little too invested in the case, as he does blatantly break multiple laws, such as stalking and breaking and entering. In fairness, however, I feel that this was supposed to be a little funny and self-aware, and it did genuinely make me chuckle. I will also admit that the film had a very interesting and trippy atmosphere. I almost got the feeling that the film was made by a director who had a lot of potential, even if they had not quite figured it out yet. A director who also needed more experience in directing. And considering that this was Stephen Charles Jaffe's first film as a director, I feel that this may very likely be the case. In a way, it kind of makes me want him to go back and remake this film, because I reckon he probably could do a better job of it now. Although, in fairness, the approach here did make the whole film quite interesting, even if it was in an incredibly uneven way. 
Now, unfortunately, we must move on to the parts of the film that I wasn't quite so thrilled by. Although the film kept me invested, largely due to how mysterious and trippy it was, it does also lead to a lot of confusion, especially early on. Outside of Murphy and Eleanor, I feel the film does not do a very good job of introducing characters, and as such, I did get a little bit lost in places. Finally, it is fair to say that the pacing of the film was dreadful. I feel that once again, this comes down to the director trying to keep things mysterious, but it did also make the film hard to watch or even follow at times. In terms of the reviews for this film, they were mostly pretty bad, though it does seem to have a bit of a cult following, and in all honesty, I understand why. It is not rated on Rotten Tomatoes at all, as far as I can see, but on IMDb, it currently has a rating of 3.8 out of 10. The reviews here either saw the film as boring and laughably bad, or as illogical but charmingly eccentric. For myself, I fall somewhere between these two viewpoints. It definitely was largely illogical but eccentric, and I will admit this led to me thinking about the film after I had watched it. I do also agree that parts of the film are unintentionally very funny, but the film did keep me invested and I was not bored whilst watching it. In all honesty, I found this film really hard to rate. There were times where I wanted to give it closer to 3 or 4 out of 10, and there were other times where I wanted to give it 6 and maybe even 7 out of 10 at points. But overall, I have rated this film 5 out of 10. It isn't entirely for me, but I am glad that I watched it, and I do understand the love that some people have for this film, as it is, admittedly, a very bizarre watch. And I do also think there is a certain level of charm here, even if it isn't entirely right for me. Thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed this episode, why not consider subscribing, leaving a like, leaving a comment, and join me on Thursday, where we shall be going over The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And then, join me again on Monday, where we shall be looking at a film I have been excited to watch for quite a while. The Extraordinary Adventures of Adele Blanc-Sec from 2010. I hope you all have a fantastic week, and see you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.